joining me today, Mr. Kalu James. So happy to have you here. It's good to see you. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, man. So good to see you too. Good to be seen. Heck yeah, man. So uh, why don't you take us back to uh, the beginning of this whole lockdown and kind of we'll start off. You can fill us in on where you were headed before the lockdown started. What did you have planned for the spring and the summer? And, and what have you been doing to kind of deal with the necessary change that we're all dealing with? And how have you been keeping yourself busy these last, whatever it's been, seven months or so? Yeah, I know, right? Man, um, uh, our last show before the pandemic was February 28th. And uh, it was with Think No Think and Medicine Man. That was like right in the beginning of what was going to look like South by. We had a single planned. And then, you know, the, co um, the pandemic and the shutdown happened. And for me, I am so used to being on the move, like most people are, that um, the idea that I could just stop was a very, very hard thing for me to reconcile with, just like everyone else. But I also, I've been, because of uh, Sims and Ham, I've been able to consistently have a, a, a therapist that I talk to. And I was so thankful that I had been a year and a half into that where the first thing that clicked into me was like, okay, you can do this. I mean, like if this happened last year, you probably be in a worse situation than you currently are now. Mm -hmm. So my whole thing was like, okay, so what do I do? And I rented a keyboard from Rock and Roll Rentals and I just started writing because I, I found it as, very much an, an opportunity to just try to get out of my own head and um, not keep up with the Joneses as much as as we are all used to. So I shut down, I run our Instagram um, and social medias and all those things back then. So I shut down every, like literally it was, there, there were no shows, there were no Joneses, there's nothing. So I just shut down for seven weeks. I was out. I had no interest in dealing with anything that was happening. Um, I understood the news that was coming in. And normally I'm the kind of person who immediately will, um, are you hearing those pings or? Yeah, that's pretty loud. Is that you or me? I, I'm not seeing any notifications that is, pop up. That, that is me. How do I stop that? Are you on your computer or your phone right now? Yeah, I am on my computer. I hope that I, hope I that think if sounds. you go to the no yeah if you go to like the right the far right corner of your whole thing sometimes there's a okay. notifications um on, you might be able to switch I don't let's know let's see let's just hope it stopped yeah let's just go with it yeah so uh, you were uh, saying you, you shut down the social media and yet I social, shut down the social media shut down all the information coming in and I just like dug in within i've always loved reading and never had the chance to do that um i am through and through an immigrant which is it's a constant my whole life is you know that front store where you live in the back type thing so i i just I, there's never a stop i still have my my mother and, and some family members back home so it's i've never had that luxury um and it's no it's weird that it sounds I'm saying luxury, but I, over the past eight months, have moved from guilt to gratitude because I, I just realized that um, what we're experiencing individually and globally is something that has never happened before. And what, whatever spin you put on that, whatever energy you put on that is what you're going to get um, out of it. Um, I was extremely grateful because I'm the first of four kids and my father is no more. And so my mother and the responsibility of her being taken care of falls a lot on me. She runs a school, but with the pandemic, everything closed down. And one of the things we don't ever um, uh, um, think of is that we live in a country where you can get unemployment check. That's not the same in the rest of the world. Definitely not 
that same way in Africa. So for me to be sitting in a situation where there was unemployment check coming in and about you know 40% of it or 50% goes to what's taking care of my responsibilities to my mother, I just, I was grateful for that because I knew that if I wasn't living here, those same responsibilities would still fall on me. So, you know, there were just those moments where it's like, dude, you are in the perfect place right now and you just have to go with it. So I started, um, I live off of Travis Heights. There's a trail. I have never been on that trail, dude. I have never, ever, ever been on that trail. So I started, you know, walking the trail, you know, just trying to get out of my mind because there were so many days where it's like, okay, dude, it's just you sitting in this chair with the fan spinning and there's nothing else going on. Like if you can get into that place and be comfortable with that, a lot of good things will flow from that. So from, mm -hmm. from walking and keeping really active, uh, my neighbor, um, I got into boxing about um, a year and a half, two years ago, and uh, my neighbor noticed that I would lightly tap this pole that holds out carport. And I woke up one day, and you know he had wrapped something around it so that I can, you know, keep you know just lightly doing that. Um, there were just all these generosities from everywhere, from the grants with you know uh, 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 the grants, the music grants that were available, and all those things. I was just super thankful so i just incorporated that into like wake up in the morning um if you can't write a song yet or get into something creative that's fine go move your body and you know from walking the trail i caught fomo because there are all these people riding bikes around and i'm just like dude i they it seems like they go much faster and this whole trip will be much faster i hadn't ridden a bike since i was 14 years old you know i got a bike <laughs> Um, uh, and I've been religiously doing about 12 miles, you know, every wow. day or every other day. I mean, and it, there was no one on the road. So it was good for me to regain my confidence if I ever had any of that in biking, because I just needed those, I wasn't going to get swipes, you know, sites swiped from anywhere at all. Right. Um, that has stayed. And then the record, we were fully done with this record. And I haven't, I didn't see my guitar player for six weeks, which is the longest time I've ever, that's ever happened. Mm -hmm. And I, and I started, we started looking at the body of work and saying, okay, this is the second time we've checked off on this. Might mm -hmm. it be to our best interest to look at it a third time? And that's what we did, man. We went back into the studio, reopened all the things that we mm -hmm. knew we'd already signed off on and realized like, man, if there's any time to put the cherry on the top, it's right here. Um, uh, between what's happening with Black Lives Matter, Trump for Life and all these things. So we just went back in and uh, actually took uh, uh, the hardest look we've ever taken on any, on any project we've ever Dawn, and we are pretty darn, you know, crossing the T's and dotting the I's <laughs> in a sure. band. And so, like, to go back in the third time and just this time be able to document it because we never documented any other things and realize what a push might be to release an album in an industry that seemed like it was non existent because without tours and all those things, there really is no, it, it just, it seemed bleak for a long time. Um, so uh, during that whole time, I have always wanted to take a trip um, by myself, not with the band. And uh, I took a three week trip and I put my mattress in my car and went all the way to Montana, you know, so, mm. Joshua Tree, Big Sur area, up to Humboldt mm. County, um, uh, and so Yellowstone and Grand Tetons, and like went back around through Santa Fe, Denver, um, uh, Park City, Utah, and uh, and for the first time, you know, I realized that if I had come back to Austin and turned around and did that again, it would be absolutely different because there was no one on the road. There was, you know, I wasn't worried about 
bars or restaurants because they were not open. It was literally swimming holes and national parks. I got my first, mm. you know, national park card ever. Um, mm. And I kind of thought of a better way to spend that time. And and at the same time, there was so much going on in my head. Like most people, my license was expired. And you, so thinking of Black Lives Matter, Trump for life, license expired, license plate being from Texas and Texas was pretty much the hub of that at that moment. I mean, there was a lot of freak out moments for me. You know, the, every mm -hmm. time, every time the navigation was like, take the scenic route and you're like, sure, why not? You take the scenic route and all of a sudden it's Confederate flags popping up from different mm -hmm. places. And, you know, like, what do you do then? For me, you know, it's like roll down the windows switch from whatever podcast I was listening to, to Bob Marley or Richard Pryor or anything like that to psych myself out of that mentality because I knew that at the end of the day, no one was pushing that pedal. Like no one was hitting the throttle but myself. I had to be able to control um, that space. And since I've been back, I did a lot of recordings because um, with bike and I was able to get a camel backpack <clears throat> and I was able to um, attach my phone to the front so I could uh, not just time lapse but capture different things and at the same time be there um, in the present and since I've been back I have spent three days everywhere I've been riding from that standpoint. Um, I'm going to turn it into like a little coffee book or something like that. Um, uh, and it requires, you know, research as well, because, you know, you see those trees, well, what the fuck are those tall trees, you know, well, they're aspen trees and aspen trees are the largest organisms other than mushrooms because they're all connected if one thing, you know, like there are all these research that goes into it, but it just felt like the perfect, because I, I was so thankful and grateful that I had the opportunity to do that. It didn't seem like something I could just, not write about, you know, maybe that's the artist in me, maybe that's the artist in us where, you know, every single thing we're like, whoa, hold on a second, like, let's, let's peel this back, you know, what's going on, but it, I just felt like my way of giving back to that time that I was able to spend knowing fully well that up until March 11th, there is no way I, if you told me that I'll still be living in this apartment eight months later without having worked. I, I, I you know, I would basically call you, you know, fat ass liar. Um, but, you know, we've all been conditioned that the shoe's about to drop, the shoe's about to drop. And it never did. Um, and I think that that's a, also a beautiful thing. Um, I, you know, things have opened up a little bit more and I'm able to see some friends and I'm realizing that people are more comfortable in their neurosis. They are more comfortable in who they are. And that's because whether you've done the work or not, when all the distractions have been taken away and you've had some time to sit with yourself, then I think you come out not just even enlightened because um, that might not be the word for other people, but just more confident of of who you are at that moment. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I think um, um, that when the doors open again, whatever that means, it's just gonna be a flood of a lot of people coming out because people are cooked up because we're beginning to play. We played a few shows. Um, we finally released one of the singles called Mirror um, of the record because that's the plan. Sounds great. Sounds great. Thank I was you. listening to it yesterday and today, man. Congratulations. Thank Good you job. so much, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. There is a, there's a lot more of this song, but it just seems as if with the industry right now, you know, yes, you have big bands that are releasing things, and that's because they have an audience that is waiting to get that. For us, you know, it, it's, you have to be more strategic than how that ends up coming out, especially if there's no right. touring behind it. If there's no purchasing of any, I mean, merchandise kind of sounds like the only way right now, you know? Right, right, yeah. It kinda sounds like the only way right now. Well, I'll but, give you a little breather because that I want to unpack some of that amazing stuff you just gave me, but yeah. 
One thing you said was, which it's so funny because it's it's so true, and I've never heard it put that way, even though I've heard the expression of keeping up with the Joneses. Everyone knows what that means. Well, most people know what that means, and it's more so from a consumer angle. But as artists in this day and age, that's exactly what we're subject to through the social media platforms is keeping up with the Joneses. You know what I mean? You get like this, you know, you root for your friends, but you, you definitely get this like anxiety and this, you know, any number of negative emotions just from keeping up with, you know, other people in the industry, you see how amazing things are happening for people and, you know, all this stuff. And it just makes you anxious. You know what I mean? It's not like it's even flat out jealousy or envy. It's just anxiety. And, and I got to say, I'm jealous that you were able to take such a sizable break. Um, I've always been, you know, critical of social media, like I think most are. But part of the way I've spent my last six, seven months is kind of digging deeper into it. You know what I mean? And almost like a you can't beat them, join them mentality. Right. And I, it hasn't really beat me up at all. It, you know, I've, I've just wanted to kind of strengthen up some of the virtual aspects of my right of my brand you know like through youtube and stuff like that and try to create more content and i it hasn't been it's been fine like it hasn't eaten me up or anything but i'm definitely keeping my eyes open for the next opportunity i have to take a long break because i think a lot of people such as yourself have taken advantage of this time to do that um and i know some people who were specifically incredibly successful on social media that have literally yep. taken a huge step back so I'm looking forward to that at some point. Um, there are a couple other things you you mentioned. One was you know how you're getting more physically active and how beneficial that is, and th that's a just once you once you get into that, it's it's just a, such a no brainer, isn't it? I mean, it's just like it's. I remember in the in the Marley documentary, they I didn't know this about Marley. I knew he loves soccer, but in that I think the most recent one, which is the really well done documentary, I think it came out a few years ago. They, they one of the people said how you know, they had a set schedule each day for the most part when they were chilling at Marley's, you know, compound. And mm -hmm. it always started with playing soccer. The first thing they did in the morning was play soccer for two hours. Then once they got their bodies all, all tuned in, that's when they started writing music. And so to hear that you're, you're getting into the boxing and the biking and the trail hiking. Yeah, me, me and my daughter have been taking trail hikes like crazy the last month and a half. Never was a trail guy. That stuff's great. But it, you got it, you know, you must be a, a convert now, right? I mean, you're probably going to be doing it the rest of your days, I would assume. I, I assume the benefits have been through the roof for you. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's very, very much been that. I just, uh, you know, my whole thing has been you wake up and I just don't even think about it. I can't think about it because if I think about it, I'm just going to end up staying here. It's like I wake up, roll <laughs> over, get on the bike and go. And, and you know, there is this line that says, uh, um, the, I don't, I'm probably putting, um, paraphrasing um, loosely, but it says no fool grows old or no old man is a fool. Um, and I have tried running my whole life. I'm I flat footed as fuck. I can't. I, not a can't I just don't enjoy it and the whole idea of biking and being able to save some of that hard pound on the floor and have the boxing aspect of it which is a very very rhythmic thing and it exercises a part of myself that um, I'm a, I consider myself you know pacifist to a certain point but that doesn't mean you don't have an on and off switch and to be able to work that switch where you can assess a threat when it's in front of you is a really, really important, it's a primal thing for every single one of us. So yeah, sometimes I'm doing that and all of a sudden, you know, based on what's happening, you know, your mind's going other places, you know, be it songwriting, be it um, um, whatever. So yeah, I'm definitely lifelong, you know, it's one of those things where I take you know, visit the bike shops now and, you know, they're just like, well, your bike's too small, you know? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm not hurting yet. So I'm just <laughs> gonna keep going until, you know, I can afford to get quote unquote, the right bike for my height and sure. size um, and all that. But, you know, what you said about social media, you know, the, the I, for some people, self-care means not engaging. For me, 
self-care means fully engaging. So I was, it was so um, uh, strange that what I felt naturally, my instinct was to disconnect because normally I would be all in, all in it, you know? like trying to read up on the news and all these and what's happening. And there was just a certain point where I realized like a lot of misinformation was out there. And at the same time, I think this country for the first time was understanding and dealing with what it feels like for a lot of the other countries. Like I grew up in a place where, you know, you didn't have five different kinds of milk. You know, you had one or two different kinds of milk that has changed a lot, but this was in the nineties. And then, you show up and there's only one available or shit, maybe it's not available. And what do you do then? So like the whole push to buy toilet paper and all these other things, I fully understood that, especially if you're coming from a place where you've never ever had to exercise that aspect of like, well, that may not be there. And it's not because you don't have the money. It's just that it's not there. Mm. So there's a lot of those things that were quite familiar to me. I'm growing up in the regime I grew up with in Nigeria where I I don't know why, but I just knew that I needed a break from it all. Um, and that was seven weeks was enough. And also um, working behind the scenes was the most important thing for me at that point in time. You know, like we, we got to record, we realized there was, there was a lot of live streams coming up and things <clears throat> and we made a conscious decision to go um, to a space and record, you know, a bunch of songs and pick three or four songs and know that those songs, you know, were paid. There was a sound guy, there was all those things done where it was quality. And at that point in time, anytime any sort of live stream, live stream opportunity came up, instead of like running Helter Skelter, like I said, I hadn't seen JT in like six, seven weeks. So instead of running Helter Skelter, it was just like, here it is you know, here it is, so that we could still be in that flow of the things that were coming up. And of course, it was almost always matched with uh, with um, some sort of a benefit, like a night in Austin and then the Willie Nelson picnic then, you know, there are a few things that we chose, but the most important thing was making sure that I was good, he was good, band members were good, so that we can get back into like working on songs and taking this time to, you know, individually make sure we're fine and then coming back and, you know, attacking it. So the social media thing got, you know, um, when we realized, okay, this is a single we, we're gonna do and all that, then we began um, uh, ramping up all the things that was necessary, but to, to like be a sort of a marketplace for fear and all those things that were going on just didn't feel right. I felt like, um, yes, I could post about something, um, but we have such a short attention span and that's gone in like a day versus I can take in all the information uh, 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 um, and put it in my work. And that mm -hmm. lasts even longer than, you know, than when I'm alive. Um, yeah. A friend said something that said, uh, um, said, without contrast, there's no perspective. And, and that's pretty much, I think, our, our motto was at that point in time is, yo, there's mm -hmm. so many information coming in. And for me as a black man, you know, there's a lot of, because we were slowed down for the first time in a long time where there was, you, you didn't have the excuse to say, oh, yo, I just pulled a double or triple double or whatever. I can't pay attention to this. That was gone. It's like in your face and you, so some people are recognizing things that, you know, a part of their citizens have deal with on a daily um, um, basis. And that was great to see the response on that and continuously see the response on people being quote unquote woke or whatever. But I deal with this on a daily basis. It's, I looked at my, the songs we've written as a band and almost every single subject, you know, every single song has a subject in there. So I felt like I 
really have to. I mean, it's been said, and it will continuously always be said, the fact that other people are getting activated is a beautiful thing because it's a we problem. It's not my problem or your, it's a we problem. We realize that, you know, we are the only people, like no one's gonna come save us. Like we're the only ones that can that can do that. So um, I, I just put that into my work. And, and that was the most significant place that I, I could, you know, make a statement as we've always For done. sure. Yeah, and that's the whole trick with this. You know, I, like I mentioned, a lot of people are kind of t tuning out of social media, which is fantastic. And of course that documentary came out, which probably illuminated a lot of what a lot of people were already feeling, the um, social dilemma. Yep. Um, but the other thing you mentioned, which, which I, which I, I, I um, had familiar uh, experience with you. First of all, it's great to hear about your traveling. That's always an exceptional way to spend time. And, and it's so hard for most people to do that when you're locked into a job. So I'm so happy that you were able to explore the beauty of the country and tune out of the nonsense and just tune into yourself and tune in with the earth and all that good stuff. And what you're saying about writing, I was fortunate to go on a long tour by myself right before the lockdown started. So I was on the road all last winter and I had never been on a long tour by myself before. And that's exactly what I, I was spending a lot of my downtime doing was writing. I, I don't, it must've taken me a few weeks to kind of pick it up and say, Look, you got some extra time here. Why not start, you know, writing? And, and I would do just free writes where it's just nonsense coming out. And then I, you know, bring other things into it and all kinds, but man, is that constructive. And, and I got such a good, so much good out of that. So it sounded like you had a very, very similar experience. Um, I want to get to your, your backstory because you have such a great unique backstory and I know you're an immigrant and uh, I'm married to an immigrant. She's, she's from India. She moved here when she was 15. I know, I believe I read uh, just a few uh, hours ago that you moved when you were 18. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about coming from Nigeria, obviously, well, not obviously for some, but I, 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 you know, it's important to note that Nigeria is a incredibly rich musical place, possibly one of the most, most rich musical places uh, um, outside of the Western world. Uh, you know, obviously there's classical music and there's pop music in the West and blues and jazz and stuff, but Nigeria has this incredible music. Uh, history with Fela and, and all kinds of stuff. But, you know, tell us a little bit about your musical roots uh, in Nigeria. And what, what were some of the factors in you coming over to the States when you were 18, doing such a big thing by yourself, which I believe was the case. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, I, uh, um, I'm Nigerian, but I grew up in Republique du Benin, which is French speaking. That's right next to Nigeria's francophone. Um, and 18, yes, I moved to the U.S., but my background very much was in the choir. You know, I loved, that was the only place I, I felt like I could just go and release every and anything um, that was ailing me or troubling me, but I didn't consider myself a, um, I didn't consider myself a songwriter. I was very much like, a, you know, a singer, and it didn't take until moving here and having all these identity crises that most immigrants have um, uh, to um, begin to realize that I, I could write these things. And, I, and even at that point in time, there were more um, poetry than there were you know, songs. And that has followed all through my life. You know, I love the Jeff Buckleys and the Tracy Chapmans and the Dylans for a reason. And that's because of that you know it, it's very much it sounds to me like poetry that is backed up with music um but growing up in a very rhythmic continent um it's something where i sometimes i feel like my music is very much what nigerian music is is just you know with a different palette or different sounds because it's talking about real things but the music is so, most times so joyous. It's, it's this gyration, this grooves and all these things going and, you know, you're dancing and then, you know, at a certain point in time, it's almost like a time, like a time release capsule. At a certain point in time, the words start hitting you and it's like, ah, 
should I be dancing to this? You know, like I've, I, I grew up with that and that has never ever um, left me. But when I was moving to the US, I knew that I was coming here for music. My parents said school, but I knew I was coming here for music. Um, and so I did the school and just get, you know, parents off your back. And I started with open mics and doing poetry. And then from poetry, I bought a guitar because like, you know, I'd show up and I'd feel like I'm spitting wax or something. And then some dude would show up with a guitar and sing about a cuttlefish. And then, you know, all of a sudden he gets all the chicks and all the attention. And there's a part of my brain that was like, man, you need to get into the songwriting thing. You know, like literally it's already there. Just you figure out, you know. Um, uh, but I was in Rochester, New York. I formed a few bands, uh, made some friends and working. 40 you know to 60 hours a week and um at a certain point in time I was running three open mics and 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 uh and also going to school um 16 credits just like every immigrant does it's just like pile upon pile upon pile it's you remember sacrifices you know everybody that is uh dependent on you and I got to the point where I actually like had a breakdown, like straight up. Um, mm-hmm. um, I remember my doctor saying, well, you need to, you need to figure out what he's, you know, like you either go into school. Luckily for me, it was towards the ending of school, but it's just like your workload and, and your, everything you're doing is just a little too much. Um, mm-hmm. We never get to tell ourselves that especially as immigrants, because you just, you know, all you're just seeing is that so many other people would want this opportunity here. Um, So it was really during that two weeks breakdown or whatever, and I was finishing with school, um, that my best friend moved like a week before I moved to uh, to, to the US um, from Benet and, he got accepted into grad school here in Austin. And he said, why don't you check out Austin? Cause I was going to move back to New York city. And uh, he said, and I, you know, like everyone who's living in New York, it's like, you know, what the fuck am I going to do in Texas type thing? Um, but within those two weeks, I checked it out and it happened that direct TV had an all access pass 2007 to South by Southwest. And I watched that at home for two weeks and I put in my two weeks notice and my job was like, well, you might as well just leave because you're not here anyways. <laughs> and so I did. Um, <clears throat> five days after my 25th birthday, I drove my 1998 Ford Escort that had like six different colors, you know, just parts that fit. Um, uh, and I'd remember I, I, before I left, I had had this, conversation with my car i was like if you get me to austin in one piece i will write you a song and that song is called austin bound um that was in the very first record i did when i moved to austin and i got here and it was you know i knew the process and the things that have worked for me before which was open mics <clears throat> open mics were huge in austin in 07 um rudamaya irie bean um i think uh um, House Wine was doing one there, but I literally had a whole list of all the places that hit because that was my thing. It's like I am making this jump, leaving a relationship and all these things to come here. I have to make that work. At the same time, I have to have a job while I'm doing that. Um, so it happened to be Apple. I worked for Apple like three times. Every time I went on tour, I'd lose a job and I'll come back and I'd get it until I finally decided I wasn't um, going to do um that anymore but that was my plan it was like hit up open mics people are nicer have your little mailing list in the clipboard because that's what it was then you know it's that my space um facebook maybe had been coming out then but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, totally i remember that man absolutely and that's what i did when i first moved here i moved in 2000 at the beginning of 2011 and that first year it was just a ton of open mics i remember going to the rudamaya one and what was the one on Barton Springs that um, had that over? Uh, it's like right when you, right um, you uh, get to Lamar. Yeah, it's called Flipnotics. Uh, Flipnotics. Flipnotics. Was that it? Flipnotics. Yeah, I yeah. That yeah, yeah, I went to all those ones. Yeah, I had the same. I had the same game plan when I moved here as well. Yeah, because I mean, you could, 
my whole thing back then and very much I, I don't know if that's still the same for you know younger artists coming up or whatever but you know before you approach a venue especially a reputable venue you want to make sure that you you know you're going to at least bring 50 you know 60 people there and i felt like open mics are perfect search engines you know there are perfect places where you go and you perform and you get your name out there and you had the clipboard but then these days you know it's instagram or whatever and then you can reach out to those people who are so excited to see you finally play somewhere that isn't there and they come out in droves you know and you know uh the heart then becomes after the third fourth gig you know like are people still coming you know i just say your friends and family you know what i mean yeah. um yeah but rudemeyer was huge for me because i was able to, they had a, a live band that would accompany you on your songs and from there that band became the band that um recorded my first record and um kurt kurt ganham um who was who's a sound guy at one to one bar he was the mm. sound guy at Rudemeyer then. Mm. Um, and then from that, they became my back in band, these shows. Um, wow. Pretty pricey, but at the same time, I just knew that I was walking into reputable places and I wanted to be, I wanted to show up like that with the crowd as well as the musicianship. Mm. Um, and, you know, and it's evolved that whole time up to the point where we started playing um, the Continental Club Gallery, which was a huge thing. Um, and then um, my partner, JT, um, band, J the band is really JT and myself. Um, uh, we got together even before that, two years before that, or three years before that. We've been playing together. Um, we talked about this two days ago, together for 10 years now. I mean, it's a good run. Is that when, it, so is that pretty much when the electric joint kind of came, was, was manifested? Uh, what well, year was the Kaluna electric? When did, did that start? Yeah, um, uh, that was about, um, so I think we started at the gallery at 2010 or 2011. And we did, uh, it was supposed to be a, you know, a month in and it ended up being two and a half years, three years there. Mm -hmm. Every Monday, then move to Thursday, then shows downstairs. Um, but after a while, you begin, like any, I, I mean, artists are constantly wondering, like we just, you know, there's just there's some comfortable, I don't know, like there's motion, there's transit. We're always questioning things, even when they're all good. And there was a certain point in time where we, this, we the question came about, are people coming to see us because we're playing at the Continental Club? Or are they coming to see us because they're coming to see Kaluna James play? And um, uh, we decided to move the residency somewhere else. And we moved it to Stagold. And uh, the question became, what do we call this? Because we want to make it an event, make it something. Mm -hmm. And it became Kalu James presents the electric joint. And then we did that. It was a bi-weekly thing. We did that for, I think, about um, maybe six months or something. And then I went back to Africa because um, um, I went back to Africa. And while I was there, JT and I, of course, were in contact and trying to figure out what this And finally, it, it was like, dude, it's right there. It's absolutely right there. It's Kalu mm -hmm. and the electric joint. Mm -hmm. And that's how that morphed. And that's been, I think we're in our fourth year now, um, which is, you know, <clears throat> there's a lot of relinquishing of control that, that goes into that as well, because you, you have mm -hmm. your band. Um, and I've always want, I've, I grew up very much like, dude, you doing it. There's no one coming to save you. It's all you, you just keep going. Mm -hmm. And then JT came along and I had been a fan of his forever, forever. As a matter of fact, we, um, as a matter of fact, as much as we were fans of each other, we just really didn't like each other either. You know, it was just mm -hmm. like, this dude, he thought I was too good to be true. I thought he was, 
I don't know, too pumped. I'm not sure. I, I just, I didn't, I, we just never connected, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, can you still see me all right? I see like, they feel like the, it got dark. You're coming through great. No, you, you're okay, coming through great. real good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, but, you know. Yeah, it's funny how that can happen with, with you know, the music, like that, that's, that was one of the main inspirations for starting this this podcast was because, you know, we have so many, we, we get to hang out with each other from time to time, but so much of the, the musician, you know, back and forth is kind of, I'm going on stage, you're coming off stage or some formulation right. of that. And there's so many people we all admire, like you're talking about JT, we like love what they do, but then it, you know, it doesn't take much for something to get, you know, you don't have a lot of time to flesh any, right. uh, you know, whether it's just a cocktail or a long talk like this, and it's so easy to like get the wrong idea about someone just because, you know, maybe they're coming off stage or maybe they're having a bad day or maybe whatever. And then all of a sudden, like a, a, a three second interaction you had with somebody becomes your source of what you think of that person, even though that had nothing to do with anything. And, right. uh, you know, it's it's weird how you get these little it's so funny to hear you say that about JT, how you loved him and admired him. And yet there was this weird Un, uh, unnamed tension or something at the at the beginning of the relationship that didn't even have a face it just kind of existed there and that's that's I can speak to that as well you know it's like you you see somebody play and then you you want to talk to them but they're only off stage for a minute and then like you get this feeling even though you know it's not true that they're kind of blowing you off or maybe they don't respect you as much you think they don't respect you as much as you respect them and then morphs into this whole useless uh ball of personal anxiety but that's funny that's funny to hear man that's that's true. I, I didn't mean, I mean to interrupt you but yeah go ahead no 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 that that's that's so true you know it ends up being like we pour what we're going through or what we you know are what we assume is happening onto the mirror which is so not true and yeah. I, I have this thing about not wanting to meet my idols or people i admire I've, I've always been like that. I, I, because they warn you against that. They said, you've heard, I've heard people say that, like, you know, it's going to be disappointing. <laughs> that's, that's what exactly. they say. Like, I, you know, yeah. I, I, I personally consider myself a conduit. Like, yes, I've gone through my experiences and stuff, but when songs are coming through me or whatever, it's because I am open to be able to get mm-hmm. that and put it out there. Not saying you don't work mm-hmm. for it, but that's a different story. But like you're a conduit. So when I fall in love with a song or fall in love with someone's record, I'm 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 in love with the message. The person, you know, not I, I'm not gonna say not really. I love everyone, but it doesn't give. It doesn't make me want to meet that person because I know we are human. And, and maybe it's something on my part, but I don't want to meet you on your bad day because I have this fear that I may not give you that, that wick of humanity. You know, I may not give right. you that whole like, yeah, dude, I'm sure you had a bad, it, it just, I don't want that. So like for me, it ends up being like, yo, you're fucking incredible and we're just going to keep it right there, you know? Um, uh, and, you know, with JT and I, it actually, we ended up dating twins. And That's like everything went very, very interesting. Wow. Yeah. Um, and funny. that went from that. That's actually how, and he hit the band. He was in this band called Dirty Bird, who I absolutely loved. I loved the power. I loved that. I loved everything. Like they made everything shudder. And it kind of felt like the soul inside of me that, you know, hadn't come out yet or whatever um and of course when you're you know dating pretty much a family you know family all, all of a sudden your hangs happening and his band was mm-hmm. um i think had fizzled out or had ended at that point in time and i was like oh perfect time um and i had a guitar player at that point in time but anyways it just that connection and where he was moving where i saw myself morphing to and where and um, the stripes he had he had gotten from not only just you know being a guitar player and a songwriter, but a sound like a recording art you know artist and being able to run the studio. It was just a 
you know, a perfect marriage. And then I realized that we were very, very much alike, which is one of those things that always ends up happening. You know, it's like, you're kind of seeing yourself over there and maybe it's the part of yourself that you haven't actualized yet or part of yourself that you have been there, done it with, but there's always something when you look, there's this line that goes, uh, um, whatever you're against weakens you. And I think it has a lot to do with, there is something of yourself that you're seeing in that person, in that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if, you dig, if you dig deep, you realize that, okay, yeah, it's just cause it's me, you know? And we oh. are most times worse to ourselves than we are to anyone else. So you end up, you know? <laughs> totally. Well, it's funny that you have the, uh the you know wherewithal to acknowledge that you don't want to meet your your heroes or, or for the most part because uh I, i'm somebody who, who who is always interested in meeting somebody i admire but you're you're totally dead on and and i actually have the exact same perspective as you do as being a conduit to the music that's just the way i just learned that early on about writing is you just kind of set your body and mind in a good place to be that conduit and then you let the conduit i think we both use uh marijuana quite to -hmm. to facilitate that quite a bit i know i do um so i've always seen myself as a conduit like when the writing process is just i set my mind and body in a place that's ready that's ready to go and then Mm -hmm. i let the the rest of it take care of itself and i but i've never even taken the time to put that on you know to acknowledge that in the all those people i all those musicians i admire were um, but I, I mean, I haven't had the chance to meet any of my heroes except one or two anyway. But um, so, uh, but that's because you always hear about like somebody who waits in line for three hours for their athletic hero or their musical hero and they're waiting there and then the person blows them off and then they rip up the picture and <laughs> it's it's over, right? It's, it's Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, no, that's, that's, you're, you're definitely ahead of the, of the ball in that, in that frame of mind. Um, so I got a great, great picture for how you've been able to maximize the time that you've had over the last seven months and, and kind of where, where it all comes from and your, and your journey, where do you see yourself moving forward from, from today? Uh, what, what is your next three to six months look like? Obviously ton of stuff still up in the air. Nobody really knows, even though we're seven months into this, nobody really knows how much longer it's going to be. Are you, do you have, you know, target dates where you're going to try to start doing more shows or release the album you've talked about? And, uh, what are you planning for the next six months or 12 months? Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what shows are right now, dude, to be quite mm. honest with you. you know, I don't I know. think anyone I does. Um, uh, I, <clears throat> I think that, you know, we might have a better chance at throwing our show, you know, throw something that is in a backyard or you rent a building because these buildings are not open right now any, mm-hmm. or whatever. And I, there's a lot of power, I think, coming back into, you know, the artists. Um, especially the independent um, because people you know do want this music um, but it's the record it's the record we spent time and even after that we have like we have about 20 new songs um, during this time I was able to thanks to Uncle Sam I was able to get um, a little recording studio thing in my house um, you know, Universal Audio, all, all that stuff. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I've been messing with a lot of sound because I, um, when I rented the, the, the keyboard from Rock and Roll Rentals, I was writing, but there were no words coming out. And, you know, it's one of those things where you begin to, <clears throat> you begin to like beat yourself down, you know, because it's just like, this is a time. We always say we want this time. We never have this time mm-hmm. as artists. And here it is. Yeah. And it's like, there's nothing yeah. coming out. And it literally took, yeah. you know, talking to a few people to, you know, to understand that this is a forced shutdown, like be easy on yourself. So mm-hmm. I started playing keys with no words and without words coming out for myself, I started reading a lot more than I've ever done in my life. Um, over a dozen books I've written, you know, read this past seven months. And then spending my time in words and other people's other people's words and their perspective and writing songs or just playing without anything. I let that happen to a point where 
there was like this perfect marriage. All of a sudden I, I got re-inspired, re-energized. It wasn't even before the trip, it was just, you know, surrounding myself with words and songs. So like, I've written a bunch of stuff here. JT and I have written a bunch of stuff. And actually this week we go back into the studio because it's gotten to a point where we know, you know, what the songs, where they're kind of going. And it's like, well, now let's spend time um, with these songs. <clears throat> So that's going to be happening within, you know, over the next three, six months. Um, at the same time, um, simultaneously, there will also be the, the release. We would like to probably put out another single before the end of this year. Um, that would make it three singles we've had in the, in the year and then, you know, uh, drop the record um, next year. I would love to travel again. I know it's snowing and stuff, um, but now that I actually have this little studio setup that is portable. It'd be great to go mm. get some sounds out in the wild or something mm. and, you know, kind of yeah. incorporate that into something. Um, the snow scares me a little bit, you know. Um, I, well, you were I, in New York I, for four years, right? I was in New York for, yeah, I was in New York for seven years, actually. Um, I'm, I'm, seven, I'm good. So. With, yeah. Like I'm good with the snow, but it just adds that little extra tinge, especially, you know, when you're up in yeah. like Santa Fe's and, you know, the Colorado's and all these places, yeah. it's like you better watch out. Um, yeah, for sure. So My, I, like I t said, this winter tour I went on, it was the first, I've done lots of touring over the years. It was the first winter tour I've ever been on. And, uh, we, you know, there's definitely, it adds a whole nother level of stress. I was very fortunate not to get in any caught in any bad stuff, but yeah, that can, I know what you mean for sure. It, can, it causes yeah, a whole nother level. by yourself too. I yeah, mean, that's, totally. that's, that has to be intense. And at the same, you know, this, I love, I think we all rom romanticize about, you know, the winter. I love walking on snow. There's mm -hmm. just something about, you know, I, I, there's a difference between just walking on actual road and then actually hearing your steps while you're walking mm -hmm. there's just something about that it does something for me and my brain it's almost like i'm here you know type thing yeah. um so yeah it's gonna be a lot of trying to ramp up um uh ramp up you know what the next six months you know would be with release of records and you know staying current by writing um new songs but it's it's felt great to play some of these songs yes they're not out yet but play some of these songs live you know we got to play blues on the green last weekend um which was mm -hmm. the first time i've ever done that um and there's just i mean yes it is strange playing in front of people just sitting down i will mm -hmm. tell you that um absolutely so you end up playing for yourself but to hear these songs the way they were intended and on the speakers and not worry about how loud or loud it is you know it's, it's just there it was man I, I i i i you kind of forget how much energy we put into this man we, we really do the load in the load out the connections i i, I ended yeah. up playing a few gigs um this week and i came home on saturday halloween and I believe we played a private gig, um, which was uh, something that was a benefit, not a benefit, but it, it benefited like Central Food, Texas Bank or whatever, um, Texas Food, I don't know, some, something like that. Um, good and uh, the privates end up being, for me, a lot more personal and there's just a lot more you try and engage. But I came home Halloween day and I lay down in my bed and I slept from 8 p.m. to 5 a.m just out done and yeah. and i realized what it was it's just i'd had three gigs last week and i hadn't had that in so long you know um uh, but it felt amazing you know it felt absolutely amazing it's like oh i have a purpose now you know there, there is there's a little bit of that you know there's been a lot of that identity which is a good thing to we have to do that. Like, what am I mm. outside of the music? Because yeah. this love of ours takes so much of us to make it a thing that it's so easy to think that that's the only thing. And I think over 
this pandemic and the shutdown has been that realization of, oh yeah, there is that. And it might be what you put your whole life on, but what are you outside of that? And I don't think it's something that a lot of people get to question. I mean, and it's not just music, any job. And you, you see it with people losing, when someone loses a job, it's like all your identity is absolutely gone. Mm -hmm. And that's because yeah. it's a system that has been set up to make you feel that way. I believe that 100%. You work 40 to 60 hours, you get maybe Saturday, because on Sunday you have to get ready to go back. So there's no time to think about your insides. There's no time to think about who you are. There's no time to <clears throat> research on what's actually happening around. And all those things, I believe personally, are insidious and set in place for you to feel like you don't have the power, the power of one. And I think that a lot of that is changing. I hope that a lot of that is changing. I hope that people are beginning to understand and, and not understand, but just like activate to the point where they know that they, they are powerful beyond belief. And yes, there is a government that has set things in place for so long, but the power of the people, the power of one, and connecting with someone else because they understand what you are saying, which is kind of what we do in music, but in a bigger sense, um, um, it's, it's in our best interest as humans to realize that we can change, that we can, that we're really, really powerful. Um, and, and it's one of the hardest things to, to, um, manifest when you're surrounded by things that have been set up for you know hundreds and hundreds of years but that doesn't mean we can't you know? yeah man totally it's uh that that is definitely one of the pros i think for most people of this whole time is getting that time to look like wait a minute all right i've been going in this groove i'm in now for five years 10 years 15 years and then you get a chance to step outside the groove and take a look at what where you came from where you're at where do you want to go but it's so funny what you said about the how tired you were because i had a private gig a few weeks ago and i mean i've been hauling my amps around for for 12 15 years i couldn't believe how tired my arms were just from carrying my amp around i was like oh my god i've gotten so soft here i'm carrying around a 50 pound amp and i feel like i gotta you know my arms are gonna fall off yeah, we got to get our fighting, our fighting, our fighting form back, man. For real, um, man. But uh, I just want to ask you one more question because you you have such a unique. Well, we we all kind of have this similar but unique relationship with Austin. Austin's been such a special special place for so many of us, but it's also this place that is evolving so fast that um, I'm always interested to know what everyone's kind of you know current take on it is. You know, obviously we see what's going on with. COVID and its effect on the music economy and the effect on the uh, musicians and the venues. Um, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I was noticing a, a very palpable change in Austin as, as much as like two years ago. I just, I could see the actual eco music economy starting to hit its high point and starting to go down. So, um, you know, it's still, I still love Austin. Austin has been so good to me and I love it, but it's certainly changing very fast. And, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, and maybe you can kind of, as we wrap it up here, encapsulate what you think the actual music industry has in store, but in kind of a microcosm of Austin being such a music town, you know, you've seen, you've been here three, four years longer than I have. You've seen such a kind of, depending on how your arc looks uh, for you, but you know, where do you see this town going and where do you see the industry going with, with everything that's happening? Well, I, I <clears throat> Austin is a music town. Like, yes, you know, there's tech and there's all these things coming in. And I, I have, I, I believe 100% that either you're changing or you're hanging, either you're changing or you're dying. Like right. change is inevitable. It has to come. Also have to keep saying that Austin is a music city. 
that has to be important to the city officials that has to be important to the develop de developers i mean when you think of you know formula one and then the sports uh, uh sorry the soccer team coming in <clears throat> i'm a, i'm forever an optimist that's the way i grew up um i grew up in a place where a lot of things were stacked against you on the daily basis and if you ever lost hope it was over done just like that um so my condition is that and my condition is that all these things actually bring a lot more international eyes to the city and the music and the arts um my uh, for example a good friend of mine chris rogers who's this amazing muralist um uh, in town you know um he's like on one of the billboards for this you know the uh, soccer stadium coming um just because of what he does um but the city officials have to remember you don't bite the hand that feeds you and 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 i believe that with all these major things because it's a major city it's very the past few years is very much becoming a major city um so it requires the city recognizing on, on the, yeah, on the shoulders of which it stands and maybe that itself even brings in all the things that we as musicians have lacked here, which is the industry, the industry of licensing, the industry of, you know, <clears throat> booking agents that aren't, aren't just, you know, that are national and international because we're beginning to get all these flavors here. So I'm, truly hopeful for it. I think that if we continue to remember that it's a, it's, it's a music city, then the city officials and the council members and all that um, uh, would spend all the can in making sure that the music doesn't move out of here. Because as we know, that's already happening. And that comes from affordable housing. That comes from the, the you know, the, the rate of things. I mean, everything is getting expensive. It's that simple. Um, yet at the same time, that tough. And we are so used to cutting ourselves short, short every time, be it ticket prices, be it amount for merch, be it for all these things. Well, we're in a pandemic and if the, the music has not existed for a while now. And if you want to go see music because of the sanitary and the health, whatever is that are involved with that, the ticket's going to be a little higher, um, especially for, you know, the musicians and the service industry people who haven't had, you know, any income for a long time. Like it's going to take a community and taking a community means back to what I said before, the city officials and the city of Austin understanding that music is the, is the reason why a lot of the things that are happening here are happening right now. It's because it that's been the heart and soul of this place for so long. So I I love this place between health, uh, between Ham and Sims and you know the Trail Foundation. There's just so many things that are here that makes it conducive for us to be here and create here and call this home. And we it just has to be a, a bigger support on that and not just go where the money where the money is and even, and even with the money coming in that should be reappropriated to the right places i i think i hear you yeah it's tricky man because you know the government or city officials whatever you want to call it the the end game is i don't even know how much power those people actually have you know i mean um we'll see we'll see i mean We'll see. <laughs> I could go on and on, and I'm sure we both could. But yeah, it's it's. I think yeah. it, you know, it, you see what's happening in California. I mean, people are moving out of California. And California has always been one of the most creative, cool, yes, expensive, but beautiful places of the country and the world. And now, people are fleeing there. They're you know, it's it's not working there. So right. um, maybe some of the more Texas things about. Austin that some Austinites might have in the past been like oh we're Austin we're not Texas we're Austin maybe some of those Texas things will will be of, of benefit to us who knows um but yeah a lot to be seen I think a lot you know personally like I, I thought by this time you know okay we've done our time it's time you know I'm going to start looking in the new year for playing gigs doing more stuff but 
I don't know, man, we're hitting new record highs and everything. I think there's still, we might only be halfway through this thing, maybe a third of the way through, who knows? But I think the real work is coming up because I think, like you said, we've all found our ways to improve and learn. And, and now that we're, a lot of us are getting back in, coming around to like, okay, now it's time to get back to this, or it's now it's time to get a job, or now it's time to get back on the road. And, and those aren't actually feasible now right. it's like okay now what do we do so right. I, I think we'll be okay i think we'll be fine but i i, I there's work we, to be done there is a lot of work to be done i mean you're right with the numbers going up you know and europe seeming like they're closing again like it's almost seems like yeah. we got oh, this man. part where we're like i know how to handle this and all of a sudden it's like i am ready i'm ready i'm so much better than i was eight months ago and then all of a sudden there's you know there's this whole thing going on <laughs> and this is this is what i've been worried about right here you know it's like yeah, right. what, what ends up happening here you know but i i, oh, yeah. I really hope that all the people that i you know love and look up to in the music and the the the, the creative industry um are still around because there's a lot of there's a lot of us, you know, falling like flies and, 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 and it absolutely makes sense. If there's any time to, this is the time we're never, ever, ever, ever going to forget. This is a time where those pivots, which I hate that word now because it's been used so many times, but this is a time where, you know, those things really happen and it makes sense. You know, if a, if a, if a restaurant closes down for eight months and they were an Asian restaurant and they reopened and now they serve, you know, American food, you would never question it. You'll just say, oh, yeah, something changed. And I think that a lot of that is happening. People who had jobs that were corporate jobs and had the little time now and have tapped into maybe their artist side are going to emerge as that. And then people who have been artists all their lives are saying, oh, dude, this is so not, I can't do this ever again. You know, so there's a yeah. lot of that going on and and. Yeah, I'm just trying to stay calm in the middle of all. <laughs> in the middle it of it sounds like all. you're doing good. It sounds like you're doing really good by yourself. So I would say just keep doing what you're doing because it's working very well. You look great. You sound great. And your new music sounds great. So just keep at it. And I'm sure you'll be fine, man. But Thanks, uh, man. thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. And thank you so much for doing this, Kalu. And I, I really like the new music you put out. I look forward to hearing the album when it comes out. And I look forward to hopefully bumping into you uh, sometime. Yeah, I appreciate that. That would be a lovely day. Um, I really think that my friends who have kids and have, you know, a wife or, you know, a girlfriend right now are actually the real superheroes. So, like, seriously, mm -hmm. much love. And I, I would not know what to do with myself <laughs> if either of that was true right now. So, like, seriously, whatever cape you got that I don't see behind you, just may that keep flying with a lot of wind, man. Of course, man. It's, it's, it's all good. It's been nice to be home with the kid. I mean, uh, I'm, like I said, I was on tour for a long time before this. So it's, it's been like a very natural even and out. Uh, so it's been really great. And now mom and pop are ready for the norms to resume in terms of daycare and school and jobs and all that. So we only have the one. I feel for the, the parents that have multiple kids because that everyone I talk to who has multiple kids. It's, it's like, it's another level of, of everything. So, but anyway, man, thank you so much. I wish you the best and uh, take care Love of yourself. You, man. Pleasure. Thank all you right, so cool. much. Peace, man.